Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Uh, good morning. Good morning. We uh, are recording bright and early today compared to what we normally did, which was like afternoon. Um, so, uh, you know, oh, Sean, that looks really good. What are you having, Sean? Uh, I'm having coffee. <laughs> See, really good. How about... And we have a special guest, Kevin, who's also he had a water bottle. Now he's got another thing. What are you, what are you what all are you drinking? You got the whole gambit over there, Kevin. Tim Hortons. <laughs> oh, Tim Hortons. Okay. Tim Hortons. That's but this is this is my homebrew coffee. It's actually yesterday's coffee, but you know, it doesn't really matter that much at this point. It's too early to care which which coffee you're drinking, just as long as it's coffee. <laughs> you just need some caffeine going. <laughs> Oh, all right. So it's been a little while since uh, Sean and I have been together, and and now we have have Kevin on as a special guest. So, um, just what's going on in everybody's life? Like, what are, what are you up to, Kevin, in the in the Great White North? Do you want to know like what I did last this this past week or something? Sure, sure. Oh yeah. I mean, we already this... went through what we drank today. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> given given <laughs> listeners what they want. This this past week, I barely even touched my computer. I was going pretty much flat out trying to fix a property that is co-owned with my siblings uh, in order to be able to put it on the market and sell it. So there was lots of fixing various damage that's been done over 20 years of use and abuse and renters and whatnot. And hopefully it will sell and get my inheritance effectively out of, uh, out of this property. The 20 years of use and abuse, is that like between the siblings or on the property itself? Uh, yeah, the property is approximately 25 years old. Um, oh, yeah. My, yeah. So my parents bought it at, at you know, one point. I, I lived in it at one point. Various comings and goings, but it's been in renter's possession for like the past probably at least 12 years or something like that. Yeah. And their renters are not always kind, especially the latest ones that we that were in there but it, it wasn't like missing walls or anything like that it was just holes in walls and various stains and whatnot oh no well hopefully they're not listeners mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm quite certain i'm quite certain they won't be <laughs> listeners uh so it's gonna be a happy day when you get rid of that for sure yeah how about you sean what are you got going uh it's just okay. pretty exciting um uh, well, it's soccer season again, so going to soccer games, lots of fun to be outside again and um, spend a Saturday night uh, enjoying some sports. Um, but yeah, it's and and we've got um, we've we've uh, been lately going to the Casey Symphony. Um, so I mean, we have been since last fall, but uh, I hadn't probably talked about it on the podcast. Um, we got two two weekends in a row, so I've been getting getting out a lot to do things. It's been great. Nice, yeah. It's been a really Casey Symphony. Yep. Nice. Some some high class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last weekend we had Holst the Planets, and and tomorrow it's uh, it's Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Wow, you are much more cultured than me. I was like <laughs> listening to Green Jello this morning. So. <laughs> The world's worst band, uh, and 
Interestingly, they're the green jelly with two dots now, and they were green jello. And the reason they had to change is after their song became the number one requested video on MTV. Jello, the company, (laughs) sent them a cease and desist and said, green jello is our word. So he changed it to the green jelly with the two dots over the Y, and he said that that umla over the Y is pronounced O, so it's green jello. Touche. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently they they, uh, record or they play live every Friday night at the Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood. Hmm. So Sounds like a great gig. Kind of, they said it's like a punk burlesque show. I don't <laughs> have no idea. <laughs> it looked like a lot of like big head fake costumes and everything. Anyway, um, I have a broken foot, but I was cleared yesterday to go on bike rides. So Excellent. That I will probably be trying to get out of the house now uh, and continue my PT. So that'll be good. Nice. So tech world-wise, Kevin, you have a project idea. Yeah. Well, something you've been working on. It's yeah. more than just an idea. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really cool and really interesting, and you and Sean are both wearing the correct colors to talk mm-hmm. about it for today. <laughs> I am not. So, so tell us, tell us about, about what you're doing with Elixir. Yeah. So it wasn't premeditated. If you're talking about the color, I'm not sure if you're talking about the color green as in like green like money or like green like grass or like green like the color of the machinery. Uh, you, you tell me which which color, which I was thinking the machinery, to. but, but yeah. you, you one upped it or two upped it, I guess. Yeah. I'm hoping it's green like money, actually, at some point in time. Yeah. So working with a famous machinery company that is has classic green and or yellow colors which I think Amos was saying, maybe we don't talk about what the actual name is to avoid uh, getting sued or something. (laughs) (laughs) Their initials rhyme with Kraft Dinner. Um, So uh, anyway, as in Katie. Did did you say Kraft Dinner? You are Canadian. That is not a thing that we have down here. (laughs) At least we don't call it that. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's... it's dark and dreary down here. We don't have poutine. We don't have ketchup lays, and we don't have craft dinner. <laughs> you don't have craft dinner? No, or craft peanut butter either. Mm-mm. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's more of like a cultural reference point for me than like an actual. Yeah. And yeah. We, there's a better we, version of craft dinner. Like this, sorry, sorry, total tangent. But there's actually a ba- there's a better craft dinner in Canada. That's uh, the president's choice. White cheddar is is the better craft dinner, but it's not. Uh, it's not the craftiest dinner. It's it's not. Yeah, it's not made by craft. <laughs> but yeah, but there's a you know a massive food chain that's called the Real Canadian Superstore, and then they have a their their own brand is called President's Choice, and then um, oh, I thought it was yeah. the actual president who liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is we don't have a president. We have a prime, yeah, minister. prime minister. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You're like, oh, this is so, so confusing. Confused. It's the, the so-called president of the company or whatever. That's where that's where they're coming up with this uh, name, president, president's uh, choice. So, nice. yeah, which, you know, to continue the tangent for for a minute, but I hope I hope tangents are OK here. Oh, uh, that's all this is. Yeah, my username, which is uh, Generic Jam, is actually riffing off of their brand, which is uh, they have like a low brand, which is which is no name, and their high brand, which is President's Choice. 
So generic jam is meant to be no name jam, like which is just like a plain label, like it fell off the army supply truck or whatever that just says jam on it, right? So that's my username. That was the sort of embodiment of my username. Anyway, should we get back to uh, the other thing, which yeah. was like I the mean, whole maybe. point? Yeah, we could talk about the differences between Canada and the U.S. all day. But yeah, you okay. have better Smarties, by the way. Just gonna say that too. We we don't have the same Smarties as you. Ours are little hard sugar pills, basically. Oh, yeah. I, we don't our, have chocolate Smarties. You don't have chocolate Smarties? No, no. The, nope. Our Smarties are like these little cakes of packed together sugar. They're real tiny, and they come in a little plastic wrap all wrapped together, real tiny. We have something like that, and it's called Nerds. Do you, do we you have not nerds. have, ner- oh, you we have, have nerds? We have Nerds, too. Yeah. Is, are they like Nerds? These are like chalk. They <laughs> feel like chalk. <laughs> or like Necco wafers. I don't know if you've ever had Necco wafers. Oh, I kind of like Necco But ne- Necco wafers, I think, are even chalkier than, than Smarties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Weird. Yeah, when, when we're done, you can look up American Smarties, and then you can shed a tear for us and okay. how, bad our, <laughs> yeah. how bad our stuff is. Also, uh, you know, fun fact, European Smarties are different, again, than Canadian Smarties. Canadian Smarties are just, yeah, like effectively like cheap chocolate wrapped in like a candy coating that just, you know, the flavor of the candy coating has next to nothing to do with the actual color, you know, the color. It's just like food coloring, that candy coated bits of chocolate whereas in the in the uk at least i can't remember about the rest of europe it's like naturally flavored Mm -hmm. uh candy coating over top of the chocolate so it actually tastes like something but it's also a different a different thing altogether but it's it doesn't work that great to be honest (laughs) (laughs) uh so don't judge canadian smarties if you ever go to the uk and buy a box of smarties and you're like "Mm, not so sure about that one because it not so great. But yeah, in Canada, the Smarties are effectively M&M's. It's almost, almost the same thing. Hmm. Only big, right? They're, they're pretty close to M&Ms. the same. No, are I they? think they're pretty pretty close to the same thing. They're they're okay. almost they're almost the same product. And before we got M&M's, we just had Smarties. You know, the big thing with M&M's is that they don't melt in your hand or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but Smarties do. So yeah, if you just hmm. like leave them in your hand, then eventually you'll have blue and purple and red spots on your hand. Sounds like a great nice. time. <laughs> it's a great time. That was part of my childhood. That was the other, the other thing you can do with the Smarties box is you turn it into like a it buzzes if you blow on it. So like if you it vibrates like a kazoo kind of. If you get it at least from my childhood, that's what that's what you could do. I don't know what their box is currently, and also it comes in a box, not a bag like M and M's. So all kinds of weirdness. Hmm. <laughs> so back to the back to the let's, point let's talk about elixir too. Yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like Elixir? I like Elixir. Elixir's great. I love it. Okay. I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this project, uh, we're trying to gamify farming. That's that's the idea behind it. So all the uh, the tractors, they have tons of sen- sensors on them that report tons of data back to the cloud. For the longest time, the you know the, the tractors would just have like an SD card that the, the farmer could pop out their SD card and then go stick their data or like you know collect the data at the end of the season or whatever. But like all that stuff is available live now, so it's just getting sent up to the um, the cloud, and then you know we can hit the API, pull the information down, and then we can uh, rate things based off of uh, usage. And so the idea being that you could rate based off of, you know, fuel consumption or fertilizer consumption or, you know, 
how much you got done with that that amount of fuel or you know whatever so or like yields you know things like that so this is all being driven by my my business partner who is a farming consultant and he was he's been doing this sort of like the hard way by collecting the data like downloading the data from the the, their online portal and then he like assembles it all into spreadsheets and then he has like you know formulas in his spreadsheets that that do all the work churn out the stuff and give him some graphs and stuff like that and that you know the farmers are really interested to understand where they sit right it's mm -hmm. like back in the day it would you know you would have gone to the coffee shop you could have like kind of like ad hoc bragging rights of like i got done sooner than you or whatever <laughs> you know so they, they want to compete, right? So, but now we can say, you know, you go show them your phone and be like, look, mm -hmm. here I am. I'm like number two, you know, in the region or whatever, you know. So you could geolocate it or whatever. Like you just draw a 60 mile radius or whatever around you and then say, I'm, I'm the best in this area or whatever, or, you know, select by state or province or whatever. Then you get to come in and say, I yeah. know our farms are the same size, and you did get done earlier than me, but I saved $500 in gas over what you did today. <laughs> yeah. 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 500 bucks would be a drop in the bucket for them. But um, that's true. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, yeah, all those types of things. Or, or, you know, they can rate themselves based on their past performance. So they can say, well, uh, am I getting better at this? Am I getting worse at this? You know, that sort of thing. So does it uh, collect information about the, is, is it just about the activity or is it also about the machine itself, you know, maintenance, wear, yes. that sort of thing? Yeah. It, basically, like almost anything that you could, you could stick a sensor on mm -hmm. has a sensor, you know, because they're, uh, they're fully uh, computerized. But yeah, so at this point in time, we're a little bit stalled because we, uh, couldn't get access to the right APIs. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, in theory, the farmer owns their data, but in practice, the cloud provider is the gatekeeper. And so we haven't been able to get past the, the gatekeepers yet to, to actually get a hold of the stuff to see what's like actually there. I've looked at, you know, documentation, stuff like that, and that's, that's only going to take you so far. Mm -hmm. At some point in time, you actually need to see a stream of JSON to, you know, understand what, what you're actually getting, you know. Because people's yeah. documentation never lies, right? Never does. <laughs> never does. I mean, their documentation is pretty good. And like this particular uh, brand of tractor, which is uh, green and yellow, uh, uh, they they have probably the best, you know, the best setup. But they're, they're probably like almost a decade ahead of mm. the other, their competitors. So yeah, it is pretty good, but it doesn't tell you the whole story. So I, I still need to get access to stuff to understand, like, are we talking about the same thing that's actually available on the on their API as is that they can, you know, the farmers can download via the uh, the online portal. So the the other option to get data is to go through the individual farmer and have them download and upload data or create yes. some pipeline for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> this is the part where I, I hope that this particular service provider isn't listening uh, be, because 
you know, there are ways around it, right? I mean, you could you could like you know spoof a sign in and then you know pretend oh, to be yeah. the the user or that type of thing, right? If you really wanted to, and then sort of like backdoor the, the online portal and then get the data that way. But I would prefer to go through the through the front door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, whenever you're relying on an API that wasn't made for you or that's for internal use, then yeah. You don't know how long it's gonna gonna stay up. Mm -hmm. So, what? Why did you choose Elixir as part of this? Uh, because I love Elixir, and because I wouldn't I wouldn't willingly choose anything else unless unless Elixir was a really bad fit. I guess you could say, like, in many ways, Elixir isn't isn't a slam dunk for this. There there are things that Elixir is a slam dunk for, like say it. Um, a chat thing or something like that, where it's just like, that's like dead center of what you would want Elixir for. But this is an easy case where it's like Elixir is a is a good candidate at least. And I, that's really the only language that I'm interested in, in working with, at least as like a main thing. I mean, I can see the use case of having uh, Rust or NIFS or other things for, you know, specialty purposes, but having Elixir as like the, the main thing that stitches everything together is, yeah, the only thing that I'm really interested in in working with. Yeah, I think it's really interesting nowadays that uh, when you get to a lot of apps um, that are that are kind of in that general purpose domain, not specialized, you basically can pick anything um, and and be successful with it. So it comes down to preferences. Um, yes. A lot of times, and and I I find personally that when I when I look at you know what what are different companies' tech stacks and I see particular things, um, it feels kind of funny that they're really you know uh, enthusiastic about uh, a particular technology when all they're using it for is run of the mill web applications and APIs. I'm like, okay, yeah. you could have chosen anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if I could choose anything, I'm going to choose Elixir. Right. Essentially, you right. know. So, like, you know, it, it that's good enough reason is what I was trying to say there. Yes. In the past, I have worked on projects where Elixir was actually the only the only sane solution, or from, mm -hmm. from my perspective, it was the only sane solution. So, like, once upon a time, I worked for a company that had routers that were controlled by an app, and then so the router connects and needs to find an app and the app needs mm -hmm. to be able to find find the router and then hopefully they can just talk to each other after they find each other and then we don't have to you know deal with some sort of like lookup thing that's you know every every time that the that the app wants to talk to the router it mm -hmm. has to you know find some sort of lookup table or you know whatever uh that to me is a little bit uh crazy and verbose and etc so Elixir in that situation was actually for me the only like sane solution, but for this particular one, it just happens to be really nice. And then if I can use an API for another manufacturer that has a WebSocket, then it's also a very nice fit. So once you have a WebSocket, mm -hmm. that's like all I have to do is establish a connection with this client, and then I can get updates, you know, etc. So the uh, the API that we're accessing right now actually has like a a webhook uh, callback, which you know is easy enough in Elixir as well, mm -hmm. so that's that's not a problem. I don't think there's any API that actually uses a WebSocket, but 
whatever the case, like it, it, anything that is network related is to me a pretty good fit for Elixir. Absolutely. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, that other thing that you worked on was it was it discovering via Bonjour or something like DNSSD? I, I don't know what Bonjour is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour is that that protocol that uh, it's also called DNS SD. Okay. Um, um, it's basically on a local network. You can provide. It's sort of like what workgroups used to be with Windows or Novell networks. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like you can announce a name for some mm -hmm. for a service and say, "Here, I'm I'm named this, and I'm running on this port." And a lot of devices use that for that sort of like auto configure type stuff. Um, okay. So, so like yeah. if you're trying to connect a printer, is pretty common for it to expose Bonjour or DNSSD. And, and I, I think Bonjour is the is that the name that Apple gave it. Yes, yes. Um, it probably came from Apple Talk originally, but um, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it wasn't discovering via that. So basically, like there was like this kind of weird ad hoc protocol. Like everything with that particular project was very ad hoc. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I can't be super specific. If you go to my LinkedIn, you could probably find out which company I was working with. Uh, but it's still a going concern, so I, can't, I don't want to, you know, say anything that's like a, any in any way disparaging. It was just so when you plug the router in, then it automatically goes and talks to the back end, which uh, then you would scan like a QR code on the router with your phone, uh, and then your okay. your phone contacts the back end with the ID. And looks for that router on the back end, but it was a bit. The previous setup was like the router has to already be connected mm -hmm. in order for the the pairing protocol to go through. So yeah, it wasn't based off of like a a known public protocol, which <laughs> probably would have been handy if somebody yeah. had looked that up. It was like, hey, has anybody already solved this problem? Right. Maybe, like, maybe we can just solve it again. There, there's a there's a whole archive of uh, documents called RFCs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have all kinds oh, of things like this. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I, I once had to write a chat server that was IRC, XMPP, and oh, no. our own protocol compliant, a secure, secure protocol that was similar to IRC. And I have read so many RFCs, and here's what I find out about everything that says it implements the RFC. It doesn't really implement the RFC. No. Yes. <laughs> it, it, like, implements pieces of it, maybe, mm -hmm. or it sometimes just goes off the rails and does its own thing, too, and then, yeah. and then gets mad at you whenever you connect to it, and... <laughs> You expect it to implement the actual RFC, so yeah, they're I great. Mean, but the other the other thing about an RFC is it's like it's a sort of like a planning document, but it's not like a rubber hits the road document. Which you know, so in practice, you may have to diver, uh, diverge a little bit from the RFC because you know it, it actually doesn't work for some mm. reason. Yeah, like the CSV like yeah. the way that CSVs are laid out, it's broken. I think that uh, Fred Abair, another amazing yep. Canadian, friend yeah. of the show, had, talk, yeah, <laughs> talked about doing some property testing on yep. CSV, and at some point it was like, well, there's this one point where the it contradicts itself, and so you can't you can't actually implement it. I think oh, it yeah, was that was in his book. Like, that was in his. Was book. it in the book? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. <sighs> I read I'm everything. A big from I'm a Fred, big fan so. of uh, Fred as well. 
So yeah, he's easy yeah. to be a big fan of. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I th- that's that that was my first point of contact for Erlang. Actually, was way back in 2012. I think I I got on to learn you some Erlang for great good. So mm. many th- many thanks to Freddie Bear for doing his like uh, the Lord's work of prom- of promoting <laughs> Erlang and making making a free resource time before free resources were like a, you know a main way of finding stuff you know so you worked with elixir in a previous thing on the the networking mm-hmm. piece right mm-hmm. and and so now you're bringing it into yours what what do you think the major advantage for what you're doing comes from elixir is um for for me at this point in time i just think in elixir and so it's it's hard for me to think about how i would do this in a different way and yeah i'm not really that interested in in trying something else like and also like uh scalability for free is pretty is pretty nice or like nearly for free mm-hmm. the previous company that i was with i guess they they sort of fell into so i've, I've used elixir ever since that original usage of um the routers and apps so the company i worked at, i worked on after that one was doing like a chat back end the company I worked after that one was doing like a crypto exchange. And then the company after that one was doing a sort of manufacturing monitoring. And that particular one, they had like a, you know, a massive cluster of, of uh, microservices that were running Python. And it was just like nightmare town for things breaking all the time and things like that. So having it be able to easy to develop and then uh, getting scalability for free or almost for free and having not, never painting yourself into a corner is also a huge a huge plus so the uh, the company that I worked for where they they did the uh, the chat back end they went from like zero to like pretty high volumes in like 18 months from nothing they had come out of a ruby shop and they you know their previous experience was just was just with Ruby, but they, yeah, it was like they they just scaled for free essentially. They didn't they didn't exa- exactly know if Elixir was the best thing, but it turned out to be like dead center of what they uh, they needed, and yeah, so they, they got scaling for free. So I, I would see that as being probably the main advantage that I would be able to capitalize on as well. Do they I really do like? Do they start that project in Elixir? Yes, That's from the beginning. All right. Yeah. Like they had come out of Ruby and they didn't think that Ruby was a good candidate for uh, this chat thing that they were building. And mm-hmm. I think they deliberated between Elixir and Node. And I guess Node would have been okay. Good choice. It, yeah. No. <laughs> well, I Sorry, mean, I, might, I might be judgmental of Node. <laughs> I, Having I think done the, enough. I think the comment from, uh, you know, my boss at the time was that you know, Node would have, uh, it's like a grass fire or something, right? It'd be quick to start and you could and you could get it working, but it, it ends up becoming pretty top heavy pretty quickly and becomes, you know, the, the code base becomes unmanageable and things like that. So they could have got it going with Node, but whether it, you pro- probably would have had scaling issues. Yeah. But, yeah. So yeah, being able to scale is a huge thing and not, not having to basically like abandon your existing code base or having to 
you know, rework things and patch things in later. I've been with a couple of different projects that have, you know, been in various stages of, of scaling. And there was never a point where it was like, oh, I guess we're going to have to abandon Elixir now because we we ran into, you know, this roadblock or we, we painted ourselves into the corner. And mm-hmm. it's just like, well, okay, so this code base is too big. So then we divide it into microservices or, you know, this this particular configuration isn't that great for what we're doing. So, you know, we collapse it into um, a mono repo. Okay. So, and that's totally doable. You know, it's, it's a very um, malleable language. So it's, it's great. So you can, you know, you can divide it, turn it into microservices, you can collapse it and turn it into a, um, a mono and it's. Yeah. Like I just had somebody yesterday uh, ask me, Never been asked this question before, but they said, "Do you prefer a monolith or microservices?" And I was like, "Well, that's really hard to answer because in Elixir or Erlang, I can build what most people would look at as a monolith, and then when you start looking at it, it's actually microservices. <laughs> yeah, and, and you build it that way even internally, so that if you have to scale out, you can move those things apart. And yeah, that's." I think a a really big advantage is that it, like you said it is it is easy to go or simple. I won't say it's easy. It's not a it's not always easy, but um, to figure out your deployments and everything. But it's pretty simple to pull those things apart fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I've actually I've participated in those types of uh, reworkings, and it was just not nothing horrendous happened and nothing, you know, it's not like in other, other languages where, you know, you, you move some of the pieces around and, and all of a sudden you've broken everything and you're like, Oh, how do I get back to where I was? You know, it's just, it's just not a big deal. It's, it's very malleable. So. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I'm coming up on, on my next meeting. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to talk to you again, hang out again sometime. And yeah. um, th- thanks for coming on the show. And I guess uh, really for today, you wore a green shirt. I think everybody figured that out. And I wore a red shirt. So it's just a nod to my favorite Canadian thing, which is the red green show, <laughs> 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 which I'm not even sure was made in Canada. But I think it is. I think I thought it was too. Yeah. Just duct tape everything. My, yeah, my favorite right. episode is where he, he, I think he duct tapes a, a chainsaw to a skateboard in order to make a, a, like a, a racing skateboard. <laughs> I have not seen that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, so, man, I love that show. Yeah. Ba- basically, you know, you duct tape a, a, a chainsaw to a skateboard at an angle so that the end of the chainsaw is on the ground, acts like a, like a powered <laughs> wheel, right? And you start the chainsaw, and then you just, like, let it go and s- see what happens. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, Kevin, thanks for coming on. Uh, friend of the show now, officially. Officially, everybody's a friend of the show, but awesome. you're now officially a friend yep. of the show. And, and oh, and I, uh, I forgot to mention. I oh, forgot to congratulate yeah. you on getting elected to the EEF. Oh. I, I was gonna. I was gonna say king in name and in deed now. now well, that, uh, so I just got a message this morning. Yeah. There was a hiccup within the um, election process, oh, uh, and the polls were closed early. Uh-huh. So we are going to redo the voting completely. Oh. The whole election will be redone. So maybe premature, 
Maybe, oh. maybe not at all. Let's see. But uh, <laughs> I'd appreciate your support. Uh, I really want to give back to the community. And I, I think that being a part of the board there and, and helping find worthy projects that, that could use some funding from the EEF and mm. uh, w- would be a really great way to do it. And helping figure out what's the new direction of the EEF is, is something that I would really enjoy doing. So yeah, that would, that would for, be awesome. Thanks for the congratulations, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan. I I actually also I'm really happy about the camaraderie between you know the whole like Erlang community and mm-hmm. that you know the old folks are embracing the new folks and you know that every you know there, there's love across the lines. So I, I think, think it's we awesome. had a, I think we had a rough start. Oh, perhaps but it, yeah, <laughs> but it, but it's gotten way better. Uh, yeah, and I've I've. I did both in my career. I should be quiet uh, right now, and not because I shouldn't talk about this, but because I'm running out of time and I will be yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Uh, I have to. I have to get in the car and get on the road after the other meeting. So, okay, I've got to run. But thanks again, Kevin, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks. See ya. See you later. 